0: Hello and welcome to the No Man's Land podcast. I'm Martin Rogers. This is a special edition of the podcast to discuss the Liberal Democrat leadership election, the results of which came out today. I'm joined, as usual, by Steve O'Neill. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Martin. Steve, you are in a um, pretty unique position to be able to speak about the Lib Dems, given your experience with the party. So, can you just set out your sort of experience, of who you are, what you did, and then we'll come on to the election itself and the outcome.
1: Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll do. I'll do that briefly. Um, I uh, used to be deputy head of policy at the Dem HQ in the lead up to the twenty fifteen general election, so I was quite heavily involved about five years ago or so since then i've kind of drifted away a bit and we actually spoke in the last podcast with Norman now about some of the reasons why i'm sort of less active these days but i think at least that gives me a bit of insight into sort of some of the things like leadership elections that we're going to talk about and thinking around party
0: strategy so i'm happy to do my best with you insights fantastic well thank you very much all right well let's start at the beginning what happened in this election The sort of headline,
1: obviously, is that Ed Davey won and won um, by a mile, which I wouldn't have mentioned other than the fact that we didn't really have any polls or indication that this wasn't going to be a really close election. So um, the sort of weeks and months and days leading up to this, it sounded like it was going to be pretty close. Maybe Ed Davey was a slight favourite over Leyland Moran, but um, he's won by about 45,000 votes to uh, 25,000. so by about 20,000 votes. That's a huge margin. I think it's probably also safe to say, I'm afraid, that most people had almost kind of forgotten about this. Remember, it was delayed months and months ago uh, when the pandemic sort of took hold. Uh, And actually, there was talk about delaying this uh, result until some point next year. I read that uh, members kicked off about that and they they then committed to having it this summer. Uh, Now, of course, it's hard to run a campaign during a pandemic. They they did do sort of online hustings and things. Lib Dems are big fans of hustings and debates. They had a little bit of that. But really, I think these leadership elections carry on the background as everyone else has. Understandably, worried about perhaps bigger things in the world.
0: But what we have got is a maybe slightly surprisingly decisive result uh, in favour of Ed Davey. Thanks, Steve. All right. So the question I think is actually quite important to to begin with is what are the Lib Dems really for? Now, obviously, there's a global pandemic on. Party politics is not a particularly important matter in the grand scheme of things and indeed that is reflected in the coverage that the Lib Dems have received. But what are the Lib Dems for? On what sort of basis can they seek to influence either government if they're a sort of policy seeking, uh, sorry an office seeking party or whether they're a policy seeking party trying to secure certain outcomes? So what are the Lib Dems actually for at the moment? So
1: that, that I
0: think is the, the million dollar kind of question for
1: pe- both people kind of looking on the outside and commentating on the Lib Dems and probably within the party itself. You get everything for that. You probably look at both the candidates during the leadership campaign who kept saying what you were saying and in terms of they would stand up on the pulpit and say, we need to find what we're about. We need to, we need to have a sort of clear narrative. Um, I'm afraid they didn't necessarily follow that up with a really clear narrative itself. But just to maybe step back a little bit and get a bit of broad context, and I'm for the sake of broad context, probably gonna oversimplify a little bit. But over the last few years the, the the Lib Dems have very much oscillated between a couple of different kinds of positions. And actually, I think if you go back in time as well, there was quite a lot of change. But you think back to 2010 and between 2010 and 2015, they were very much positioned as a moderate party. So during the 2015 election campaign, the kind of the idea was we're not as left as Labour. We're not as right as Conservatives. We'll moderate between the two as we've done in the coalition. And then since 2015, slowly the party became a sort of liberal and Brexit party, sort of kind of single issue, party of revoke and remain, etc. And so it sort of changed itself into a kind of liberal party. So by liberal, I mean capital L liberal, sort of philosophically liberal, which means that you don't prioritise as much the kind of economic issues, but you care about things like internationalism, you care about devolution, um, you care about lots of social justice issues and things like that. Depending on how you, you you know cast yourself as an individual, an individual point in time. So there's an element of like making mind up about is is this about being sort of centrist and moderate, or is this about being something else? And if if so, what kind of something else is that? Or maybe we'll find that this ends up being like a fudge between the two, and whether that can be clearly articulated. But I think that gives you the kind of feel for the debate of debate
0: within the party and a little bit of its recent history Can you put it into any more sort of historical context so looking back to the times under say Kennedy and Ashdown, which were some of the more uh, successful times in the party's relatively recent history although perhaps not that recent that whether they focused more on being a the sort of moderating influence now obviously the reason we're talking about them so much in the podcast is that we are a podcast that exists to talk about moderate politics and the Lib Dems obviously set themselves as a moderating influence on sort of parties of left and right that they presented themselves almost as a not a natural party of government which is sort of how the conservatives are spoken of but a, a sort of permanent fixture of government in a on the basis of a coalition, say, as they often have in Europe, but it's not so much a feature of the the British first-past-the-post electoral system. So are you in a position to be able to say what their more successful periods within the last 25 years and more were down to in terms of that choice between being a moderate party or a almost dogmatic, I think it's not too too much to say that their position on Brexit was dogmatic so what are your sort of thoughts on? That? well certainly the the eras that you refer to so
1: going back into sort of the 80s and 90s with pay Ashton and charles kennedy they were more to the left than they were in the kind of clegg era and the coalition era so there was certainly a change there and, and that's often associated with what is known as the orange book which is literally a book called the orange book which was written by lib dems who are moving the party a bit to the kind of economic right but remaining socially liberal i mean in terms of the history of course uh charles kennedy campaigned against the war in iraq which made a big contrast with labor and that helped him do very well so that was kind of single issue but he, equally he was sort of pitching himself maybe even slightly to the left of what was then a pre centrist labor party and uh, kennedy um sorry ashdown was uh, well known to be obviously closer to to labor and, and to have worked with the, the blair government in the early stages uh and and very much i think as a part of his strategy was to uh, sort of oppose the Conservatives and be part of a sort of broader progressive coalition, or there's various sort of ways of describing that. I don't know if any of that actually answers the question of when they do well. Although what I can say is that many many Lib Dems think that a large part of their fortune is nothing to do with who the Lib Dem leader is or or their particular strategy, but actually it's a lot to do with the Labour leader is. And so maybe one of the most important things for Lib Dem success was that you had sort of in the nineties and two thousands or, or noughties. You had Tony Blair, who was not, was not a scary proposition to most of the country. I think it's probably fair to say that Corbyn was a scary proposition to a lot of the country, which means that when people are forced to choose, if they are not on the left, then they will often choose a Tory leader. Uh, and that, I think that is the, one of the rays of hope at the moment, is that Keir Starmer is perhaps more of an acceptable figure. But By the way, if you're being a bit cynical in terms of the timing of this election, the or this election result. You know the the, the the excuse for delaying the original date was due to the pandemic, but actually I think a lot of people in the Lib Dems will have wanted to see who won that Labour leadership contest. Um, so I think it makes a big difference if it's Keir Starmer or Becca Long Bailey. And just to explain that a little bit, at the at the last uh, the last couple of elections, particularly but particularly the elections that um, uh, involved Jeremy Corbyn, lots of people felt that um, sort of centrist, sort of Tory-leaning people who are often a target for Lib Dems in certain seats, uh, will have been scared into voting Conservative to make sure you don't get a sort of, for them, slightly scary figure in Jeremy Corbyn in power. Whereas in the Blair years, there was very much a feeling that Blair was a popular prime minister. He didn't feel, or he certainly wasn't someone who was pitching himself as a radical prime minister. So that people were safe to vote Lib Dem. So many people, I think, believe that that has as bigger or, or, or more of an influence on Lib Dem fortunes than... The strategic choice of the party makes.
0: Now, this is quite a sort of key cephalogical point. Then that the, a lot of people in the Lib Dems think that their space is if the La- if the Labour Party is a m- more moderate party and people feel safe voting for the Labour Party, then they will feel more comfortable voting for the Lib Dems, and so essentially that one. I suppose, question about what the Lib Dems are for is that given that they had relative success by trying to pitch themselves to the Labour Party's left under Blair but didn't seem to have so much success pitching themselves to the Labour Party's right under Corbyn, although given Brexit, it's arguable, given their position on Brexit, it's arguable they didn't fight on those terms, that they think a more moderate Labour Party if it moves to the centre, they have space not so much to the left of the Labour Party, as on the Labour Party's coattails, in the same moderate space—is that the sort of thing that you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's correct. Um, or certainly, looking at the kind of history as you asked about, that that seems to be what partly what was going on, both in the elections that were lost. I mean, I mentioned the sort 2017, 2019 election with Corbyn. There was something similar with the 2015 election where people were scared of. Uh, Ed Miliband being in Alex Salmon's pocket, if you remember the the Conservative campaign at the time. So those kind of things are often blamed for Lib Dem failures. Whether that's the whole story, I'm I'm not sure. And I think you know we we talked about a little bit about Charles Kennedy having a, a sort of a, a cut the pitch that cut through. So for, for example, around the, the Iraq War. And so I wonder if you if you're just hoping to do well on the back of Labour, I, I suspect it's you it needs a lot more than that. And those are the things I think that, that Ed Davy now has to,
0: has to decide. All right, so whenever that sort of strategic decision comes, they're going to need to think about the basis on which they start to put together, or I suppose they, they've already sort of put together, but start to build further their coalition of actual support and voters. So is there enough at the moment to say what direction that's likely to take, whether they are going to seek to sort of broaden their appeal, whether they're going to seek to establish a sort of core vote strategy of, you'd imagine, sort of classic Remainers, the sort of well-off-ish, or at least sort of middle-class, university educated, the people that they have a bit of competition with the Labour Party for. Or are they seeking to go wider now? Can we tell anything from what we know at the moment on that score?
1: Well, we can always um, speculate a bit. I don't know if um, we can say anything too too certain. So back at the last election, Joe Swinson's strategy was obviously to go for the remain vote quote unquote and and there's a feeling that that could that could work well. It looked like it was going to for a while, but but then didn't. So one of the big choices is how much can can the party have a kind of core of voters? around the issue of Brexit. Now, that doesn't look so good now. The public are tired of that debate. We we will have been out of the European Union for a year, not too many months, and then we'll be out the transition period then as well. Um, so can you, can you have a strategy on Brexit alone? That looks a bit dubious, but it might be part of the thinking. Equally then, within that, Remainers are quite a big, broad group of people uh, that's difficult to hold together. So you probably have, um, or if it's often talked about by, by pollsters on our podcast we've had in the past, uh, you have conservative-leaning Remainers uh, who are one kind of category. You've probably got the kind of more traditional, not more traditional, but um, the more stereotypical sort of um, left-leaning Remainers, the kind of Labour-to-type voting Remainers. So perhaps the to be a bit clearer about, clear about which ones it's trying to win support for, and that may be... By the kinds of seats it thinks it's going to be competitive in. So, for example, uh, a number of the seats that it did fairly well in and got in second in the last couple of elections were, for example, in the sort of areas just outside of London or to the southeast. Now, it might be that those areas actually require you to flip conservative-leaning remainers. So that might that might sort of change their, uh, the pitch they make in terms of how economically left-wing do you want to do you want to seem if you're going to use the Brexit as your kind of core core kind of position. Again, back to where we started, though, is Brexit alone going to cut through in, you know, even a year and a half time, let alone four years' time? The other thing's often often raised, and I, I don't really know if this is a serious conversation or not, but the extent to which the Lib Dem should, quote unquote, unquote go woke. So if you think of the other group of Remainers, the kind of more left-wing Remain group, they probably are quite similar with people who are, who are very passionate about some of the social justice identity politics issues we've seen. So could a combination of being a hardline on Brexit, wh- however high that is in the sort of of the agenda in coming years, along with being very vocal on things like uh, race and and gender identity and the rest. So you could have a choice there. How realistic either of those two options are as a pure strategy, I don't, I don't know, but I think these are some of the conversations that are being had.
0: That's, no, uh, there's some good stuff there. So I wonder whether it isn't Brexit in and of itself that then becomes the most motivating issue so much as some of the, uh, some of the things around it, especially sort of demographics. And it certainly seems to back up what you're saying about if there is a moderate Labour Party, then there's probably more chance of the Lib Dems being able to gain the votes of more moderate, remain type. Conservatives, given that you can certainly see how a lot of the conservative sort of some more traditional conservative voters, which by which I don't mean the, the sort of country colonel types, but people who believe in sort of moderate small government, the sort of almost traditional Tory in that sense, they could be persuaded to come over to a moderate Lib Dem party if a moderate Labour Party meant that there wasn't the threat of a Jeremy Corbyn in Downing Street. And we've talked about, sorry, the Lib Dems are, are often talked about as being part of a the sort of progressive end of politics. So whether that's being closer to the Labour Party than the Conservative Party, whether the Lib Dems could join a sort of anti-Tory alliance, coalition, electoral pact. Do you think that's fair or is that a decision that they still have to make about whether they are like a distinct entity or just an aspect of an anti-conservative sort of alliance
1: i mean i think that that is the question that's being asked and i think just gets asked from you know not every year but different points over the last decades that has been asked quite a bit and people have had different kinds of answers so we mentioned paddy Ashdown wants to work with with Blair, um, under the Kennedy years, they were more critical of Blair, as we spoke about. So that question comes around again. I mean, I think it's fair to say at the moment, there's, there's no appetite, I think, within Lib Dems to, to work with conservatives right now, who obviously are pro Brexit, are seemingly fairly kind of populist in various ways. So that, that not only cuts cuts against the sort of uh sort of liberal instincts of the uh, of the Lib Dems but also kind of the older the older instincts around moderation as well so then you are back to okay, what are you adding to the picture if you are very much aligned to labor so the question gets asked should you just fold yourself into the labor movement in some way or form no no one ever knows what that looks like but you know it comes back to what's the point of view thing i don't i don't think that's a realistic prospect i think that's more the kind of charge that opponents will make to the party the the realistic prospect, I think, uh, and this was talked up partly during the, the debate in the leadership election, was whether the party should do this sort of deal with Labour to try and defeat the Conservatives and then end up in some, in some form supporting a Labour government. We're at a very early stage of what, what that could possibly look like. But that is the kind of thing being muted. I think Leila Moran was a bit more... Uh, forthright in the way she was trying to position the party quite well to the left and she talked about the party being to the left of Labour although I think that sounds a bit of a stretch in any sort of short period of time to, to achieve that kind of positioning. I don't think Ed David will go will go that way but I, as I said I don't, I don't think there's any prospect of him aligning with the Conservatives at all so I think it will be a conversation of, of how explicitly to align with Labour.
0: Is this actually potentially this election quite an important sort of philosophical choice by the Lib Dems? You talked about the the Orange Book Liberals, but so on the one hand, you've got Ed Davey, who was a minister in a coalition government with the Conservatives. You would think that having chosen him, that's the choice to, to take if you are looking to be a party of... Government, or at least t- speaking as terms of a party of government, rather than one of sort of protest on an opposition. He so on the one hand you have a guy who served under Clegg under Cameron, and on the other hand you have Leila Moran who wants to move, wanted to move the party to the left of Labour. So is it quite an important sort of philosophical choice that the Lib Dems have made, either explicitly, implicitly, or even by accident?
1: Yeah, quite, quite possibly. And maybe more subtly than that. Um, it seems like they've kind of gone for the, the sort of safer bet. just laid around relatively young, relatively unexperienced. Ed Davey, very proven. Um, a number of Lib Dem leaders recently have had issues either with their personal lives or with their views. I'm, I'm thinking primarily of Tim Farron and the kind of, um, difficulty he got into with his faith and, and how that didn't really fit with sort of progressive views on, on certain issues. So I I wonder whether part of it is just choosing the safe bet, but then implied in that is you think, what's the safe bet to do? And actually, maybe someone who can look competent, who could potentially, people could see potentially being part of some kind of uh, coalition in future or some kind of conference supply arrangement in the future. I mean, all that feels like a very, very long way off. But I think you have picked up on something there in the sense that this does seem like they've chosen quite sensible, gone for the sensible option
0: rather than the kind of really bold campaigning distinctive option. Hmm. So maybe uh, moderate politics is having a bit of a a comeback perhaps. Now, talking of other parties and moderate politics and making a comeback, Labour's moving back to the mainstream. So is the centre-left going to be too crowded now for the Lib Dems to be distinctive? Is there potentially a chance for them to be a moderate alternative on the on the right, given that you think that the sort of moderate centre-left is sort of taken up pretty much by a Starmer-led Labour Party. So might we see a slightly orange book potentially sort of space for the Lib Dems? And whatever they decide, how on earth are they going to get themselves a hearing?
1: Yeah, and those things are very connected, I think. So yeah, absolutely. It does seem pretty strange, that particular economy questions. Everyone seems to be about centre-left at the moment. Because of course, the conservatives are now talking about conservative Keynesianism, or people that commentators are. Labour seem to have come back a bit from its further left positioning. And so they're both now in a kind of probably the most comfortable place for the Dems, just, just a little bit left to center on the economy. So on lots of issues of that, of that kind of so public service funding, all the rest, it is going to be crowded. And if you're a smaller party, you're, you're going to get crowded out. Now, you're absolutely right again to say that in theory, there is a space to be. In a sort of orange book position, where you know if there was a if there was a clamour for slightly more free market and socially liberal policies, that would be sort of a philosophical space open. But I just can't see there being an appetite for that at that moment. I mean, that would put the Lib Dems in a strange position of being kind of almost to the right of the Conservatives on economic issues, which I don't think they'd be very comfortable with. And I don't think there's a lot of evidence that wins many many votes. So I suspect, in terms of getting a hearing, it won't be. It won't be with some kind of orange book, differential strategy. I think the way to get a hearing probably is choosing and championing certain issues that the uh, other are parties aren't. And I don't even recall when we spoke to Norman Lamb uh, last month, we talked a bit about his work around legalization or decriminalization of, of cannabis. And that was one issue, perhaps the only issue I can think of in the last few years that kind of made it, somewhere near a, a sort of headline, a front page of a newspaper, when the Lib Dems made an announcement on it. Um, so it, it's probably a case of trying to find issues that you know, other people aren't talking about, that chime with the public mood, that get cut through. Now, the big issue was supposed to be Brexit, as we spoke about, that was going to do that, but that was a unique example of you know a single issue dominating politics. I think it's more likely now they're going to find issues that aren't absolutely on the A-list of the issues on the agenda, but are Important to people to try and gain support while probably having a, an economic positioning that isn't that distinctive, certainly from Labour's, uh, assuming Keir Starmer is as is kind of centre left as he appears to be at the moment.
0: All right. And in terms of whether there is a sort of path to power or back to power, and we've talked about the possibility of whether they might engage in some sort of electoral pact formally or informally. Do you think there is a future in some sort of formal or informal anti-conservative agreement? And if there was, do you think that would be credible given Davey's time as a minister in a conservative-dominated government? Yeah,
1: I think that's a, that's a really, really good question. Because like on, on paper, it looks like the Lib Dems are targeting um, at least 30 or so seats held by the Tories and don't really have much interest in lots of seats that Labour want to win back. Uh, in the Midlands and, and further north. So, on paper, you'd think, yeah, there should be scope for uh, some kind of agreement. But I think you're right. I imagine, and, and you know better than me, Martin, as someone who's been involved with Labour. Like, I imagine lots of Labour members and supporters wouldn't take kindly to the idea of, of working closely with someone who was in a cameron government. So, uh, and I wonder whether all that means that what you can't do is a, an explicit kind of pact, and maybe it is more kind of behind-the-scenes decisions like for example how much money and time activists put into certain areas that that feels more realistic perhaps to me now i mean policy is so difficult to predict at the moment i would rule it out quite a few years away from a general election but yeah as you hint i think a a grand pact sounds a bit far-fetched maybe it's more of a a soft deal but then and so then you get yourself into the, the the question of okay so what happens if boris loses majority in four years time which Looked unlikely six months ago or so when we had the election, but as we've seen this year, we've seen the polls tightening. So, the idea of a, a Conservative largest party situation where Labour are a lot closer, and then is there a way to have a minority Labour government, or or even if Labour getting the largest party, which again sounds unlikely, but maybe it's possible, um, without a majority, then do the Dems come into play? I suppose it all depends on the numbers. At the moment, they've got 11 MPs, so that's just not a very big chunk of the MPs in Parliament, that doesn't carry a lot of weight. But if that was to increase a little bit and it gets close, you can kind of imagine a scenario where there's at least a, a conversation to be had about maybe, maybe a common supply arrangement. But what I think is unlikely is that the Lib Dems are going to bounce back to sort of 60-odd seats, which was the situation in, 20, in 2010, and have a sort of fair chunk of Parliament in which to in which to sort of play a part in a coalition. The difficulty I see for Labour is that there's a lot of problems with doing and can deal with the SNP. I would say so. They would probably need, if they're not going to get a majority, need someone else to to, to help them. And, and right the Lib Dems probably aren't big enough to, to have much of a say in that.
0: So I suppose the last question is well, there's two two questions that I I'm going to sort of tackle together. One hand is whether the Lib Dems should look to rebuild locally. They've often been a sort of force in local politics. So should they? target councillors and councils and on that basis give themselves a like a base of activist councillors as a sort of um, beachhead to to start going from there and bound up in that as well is I think looking at the sort of sorts of seats that they and places that they would target so looking at the sort of the Wimbledons the Guildfords Winchesters, which aren't places that they've held, but then maybe, and this, I suppose, also touches on the relationship with the Labour Party, whether they would not far off give up or at least maybe put a lot less effort into some of the northern places, your likes of your Burnleys, of course, your Rochdale, where they have had seats in, uh, held the parliamentary seats in the past, and whether they would look to rebuild... On the, effectively, I suppose, on the basis still of not Brexit as an issue, but Brexit, the sort of the fallout of Brexit, that the, the sort of leafier southern Remainer places. They might seek to put more emphasis into and leave some of the more northern, uh, leave places more, more to the Labour Party. But just to sort of to finish, the, the other thing that we haven't talked about that I haven't talked about that you you touched on is of course Scotland. So would a a southern and Scotland remain sort of strategy seem to make sense for the future? In in essence, that quite possibly where a lot of the
1: the seat the parliamentary seats come from is south of England and maybe a few in Scotland and probably a few scattered around. But essentially, that to to, to your so at the start of your question, which was around building locally, it's like. I think that's just what Lib Dems like to do is build locally. I think right from certainly the Paddy Ashdown days, they, that was one of the ways they did well. They'd build a local presence, do well in council elections and, and work up towards trying to get a, a parliamentary seat. So I definitely think they'll do that again. And that, that is kind of one way of, of not having to worry about some of the sort of big, what are you for philosophical choices that um, we sort of started out with and perhaps know that there aren't particularly great answers to. Do you can kind of just, Bumble along, offer a local alternative to to the Conservatives or Labour on the basis that you, you care more locally and you work hard, and you're and you're just another option. So I, I think they'll certainly certainly do that. I think part of what you described at the end lends itself to that because one way voters can kind of give the party in power a kicking is by voting local elections to show their displeasure, even they're not quite ready to boot them out of government yet, and that's been you know, a classic thing that Lib Dems taking advantage of either at local elections or or by elections So, I mean, I think there's no doubt that'll be a big part of the strategy trying to build locally. And I can't remember the numbers, but obviously the last council elections, sort of you know, ever since the, the, the losses that, that came up to the 2015 election, they've been building back slowly between 2015 and now in local elections. So I think yeah, on, that, on that kind of metric, things have been getting a little bit a bit, a bit better. And certainly if you want a, some kind of protest vote, certainly a protest vote on, on Brexit, they'll be available. Does that really get you back to being a national force again anytime soon? I I don't really think many people are that optimistic about that. But I certainly think you're right in to sort of describe that strategy, which I think will be what, to some degree, happens.
0: Great, and I think it's also worth saying that if you focus on gaining power in local government, you will actually have far more influence, political power make a difference to people's lives by controlling councils whether in majority or part of a coalition than being a basically a small backbench movement in the commons if you can control x number of councils you know there might be more devolution coming down the path from from this government at least it has been talked about that could that could be the way that they get power. They get power by controlling your town council, your city council, county council districts, rather than seeking office of na- national government and whether they seek to rebuild nationally from make a lot of sense. So thank you very much for your time, Steve. This has been really good. As always, we'll speak to you next time. Thank you very, thanks, Steve. Thank you very much for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. This has been the No Man's Land podcast and, um, See you again soon. Thank you very much.